Welcome to the Spy Point Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Stevens from Spy Point Game Changers, and I am joined today by Charlie Mayshack and his son-in-law, Justin, from Hoosier Trapper Supply. And you know, trapping is, is a topic that is becoming more and more popular to discuss. And today, we're fortunate enough to be joined by two of the best in the industry and talking about you know a subject that I don't know that gets enough attention, whether you're managing for deer or just you know predator management in general. But before we get started, I just want to remind everybody to take time, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you consume your content and, and really help us join uh, and build up the Spy Point audience to ensure that we can get you as much of this quality information as possible. So with that, Charlie and Justin, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. So before we get into some very specific topics and questions that I have for both of you, Let's just start with your background. How did both of you get started trapping in the industry? How did you start, you know, who's your trapper supply? And just give everybody a little bit of insight to your background. Well, I've always been interested in the outdoors and probably introduced a lot of that through my grand, grandpa. Okay. Uh, and so, I, you know, I'm 64, so I've been around this a long time. Um, and uh, watching Daniel Boone uh, with uh, on TV when I was a kid, yep. all of that kind of spurred my interest in this. So um, started setting, actually setting some traps. Uh, we lived out in the country. There's a creek nearby and um, found some traps and, and me and a buddy started setting them and I just had the bug instantly. And okay. here it is all, all these years later and I can't get it out of my system. So I, I um, trapped through high school and right, I graduated in 1976. So that was the, the actual beginning of the, the fur boom, the years of fur prices being, uh, you know, really, really high and, and interest was very, very high. And I was contacted by, and I started selling some trapping supplies actually in my senior year in high school. I, was, I guess the entrepreneurial side of me. And so um, back then you could, everybody was a trapper. Everyone was interested in trapping, particularly if they grew up in a rural community. So uh, it was pretty easy to be successful, um, to be honest with you. Okay. Back then. So there were yeah. you know, lots of trappers. So that's how Hoosier Trapper Supply uh, got started. I started buying fur. Uh, I stuck with that until 1991, but um, we've stuck with the trapping supply business uh, all these years. So um, and, and does this, has your business been growing, you know, year over years and becoming more and more popular? It seems as this topic is getting discussed more and more. Yeah, it, um, it's pretty interesting because so the fur market crash was the 87, 88 season. And that was kind of like somebody had shut the faucet off. So I wow. think okay. that was some very difficult, tough years. And you're kind of scratching your head as to, you know, what the future of all of this is. But it's, it's good to see now that we've seen this trend um, with basically the fur market is, is pretty depressed. So, and that's not the driving before force behind this anymore. It's what we've seen is guys that are like, you know, deer hunters uh, active in the fall with that. But that season winds down typically in the Midwest, you know, around Thanksgiving or so that are looking for an activity to do the rest of the winter. And that's where um, the interest in trapping has really um, started, I think. In, in more of these past few years. So yeah, the interest is definitely um, uh, quite high and we have definitely seen a uh, increase in business uh, over the past few years, just like I said, despite the fur market, which is not the driving force uh, behind this anymore. Okay. So, well, good. Yeah. Lisa, you guys are a beneficiary of that. So Justin, yeah. how did you get started uh, trapping? Well, uh, see, I started in high school um, 
early 2000s, met his daughter at school and where I was working, they had a beaver issue. So I knew exactly where to go to. Charlie set me up on some traps, a DVD. Okay. By the weekend, I had caught two beavers and I was hooked. Okay. And I've been by his side ever since. (laughs) I Absolutely. Okay. And one one way or the other. That's awesome. Very, very cool. It's it's, it's nice when you can have a family type of passion and an activity. I was talking to uh, Mike and uh, Bonnie from Legends of the Fall TV show uh, last podcast. They're out of Texas and, you know, they're very prevalent on the outdoor channel and, and they have very much a family type of, you know, passion and their daughters are involved and, you know, other bits of the family. And so for you guys, just like that, I love to see that. And, you know, it's really neat, Charlie, for you to say something that I think is you know, we don't hear as much anymore from the next generation down is that your grandfather got you into this. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and my father got me into the outdoors and, you know, my boys are very much in the outdoors. And so I think it's just it's important that we continue to pass this along and and, and really get generations and whether it's family, but other people in, involved in the outdoors and in particular trapping. So that's that, to me, that's just really, really important. Right. I couldn't agree more. I, I think that uh, my son uh, traps as well, Jake. Um, so it's it's uh, and it's been a family activity. We've taken trips every year to go out of state to trap and three of us go. So, um, yeah, I, I it's it's very important. I, I get frustrated when I hear um, <laughs> some of the uh, my peers or whatever that don't necessarily take their kids trapping or friends trapping or, you know, and it, it is a certainly it can be a solo activity, but it really is nice to share it with someone and pass it on and, and let people know, you know, um, cause like if you're standing from the outside looking in, um, it looks, it can be pretty overwhelming, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. um, anyways, so yeah, very important. Good deal. Good deal. Absolutely. So let's jump into some of the specific questions and topics. And the first one I'm, I'm going to ask you just, what are some of the common mistakes that, that new trappers make just getting, you know, started, and, you know, whether it's the industry or that pastime or sport or however you want to classify it. Okay. So I think um, patience is one thing that maybe some of them are lacking a little bit. You know, they want to have success right off the sure. bat. Uh, and that probably goes with basically any interest. The other one thing that I see is um, guys are, are uh, getting on YouTube, which is a wealth of information, but you got to kind of be able to sort it all out. And it can be overwhelming, uh, in terms of information too. And they start getting them in the weeds. They're making their own, they haven't even caught anything yet. And they're all, they're worried about making their own bait. They're worried about making these specialized fancy sets that don't necessarily, you know, that you just don't need to get into all that. It's like, you got to keep focus, um, keep yourself on the, on the basis of, uh, fundamentals of, of all of this. And then, once you get some sort of baseline, then maybe you can start. And that takes a few years, really. Sure. But once you get some sort of baseline, then you can start. Yeah. Then you want to start playing around with making your own attractants and that kind of thing, you know. But um, I think that that is a pretty common mistake. And we, we run into that fairly often where um, guys are just getting too far uh, out there before they actually have had any success at all. So. Gotcha. What about you, Justin? What are what would be looking back now? Some of the mistakes you made early on that you would you know suggest somebody don't make if they're getting started. I pretty much agree with what Charlie just said. Um, I was fortunate enough when I got started, I had him by my side, so I had a learning curve that you know sure. most don't have. 
so, but yeah, basically once you get the fundamentals down, it's just hammering it out, you know, just uh, seeing what works for you and, you know, go from there. Uh, just don't overcomplicate it. You know, it's not rocket science. It's just a coyote or whatever you're after or a muskrat, you know, just keep it basic. And after that, if you want to catch numbers, it's more or less just hard work. Gotcha. Okay. I think another, I think another thing too is guys, and we all have a budget we all have, you know, means that we have to work within, but try not to compromise yourself too much with what equipment or product that you get. And I'm not, I'm not making a sales pitch. I'm just saying, so trapping involves a lot of time. You have to go every day. So you have to check your traps every day. You're burning gasoline and time and whatever. So I think um, at least outfit yourself to the point where you, you can have some level of success and you're not compromising yourself too much on um, skimping on what you need really to have success. So that, that's, that's something we see too, but gotcha. um, um, anyways. Okay. No, that's super helpful. So with, with that, what would you say would be one or two of the easiest ways to increase your catch? So you got some fundamentals going, you're, you're getting into a little bit of a routine, a little bit of a rhythm. Now you're wanting to take it to the next level and, and expand, you know, the, the numbers. What would be some of those, you know, tips that you would provide to somebody? Well, you, you need the, the more ground that you have available to trap. So like we're in farm country, we don't really have any public ground in this area. So you're okay. just going to have to go knock on some doors and, and yep. line up, you know, line up ground. Obviously the more ground you have, the more traps that you can set. And, um, uh, and that, that, I mean, that's just all statistics. So um, to catch a lot of animals, a lot of times you got to look at a lot of empty traps because you know, you might, sure. you know, a five to 10% success ratio in most areas on uh canine trapping, coyote trapping is pretty, I mean, that's a pretty decent day if you have 10%, you know, okay. and 5% is more than fine. So, uh, but yeah, just basically increasing your ground exposure to the animal. Um, coyotes generally have a home range of up to 10 square miles where they only might use three or four square miles on a regular basis, but they can increase out to 10. So you need to get, try to get out of those areas where you into another group of coyotes. So the idea of trapping against yourself. So if you got a farm here, that's 200 acres and you just go down the road and get a 300 acre farm, but if they're right up against each other, it's basically the same coyotes. So I'm not saying not to do that, but if you want to really start increasing your numbers, um, it would be better to, to skip a few miles and then get some additional property. So, and then obviously set more traps. So, okay. So I'm going to ask you on a, a different side of the, the, the coyotes since we're on coyotes and that is there's the trapping side, then, but then there's the deer management side of things. And I'm sure you guys, you know, go hand in hand with that probably with some of the farmers you work with to get permission and why the reason they want some of these, you know, predators off of their property. So, you know, is there a number that you guys, see that has starts to have an impact on a piece of property. Obviously it's going to go in proportion to the the number of animals, how big the property is, the number of predators. But you know, let's say, you know, on a hundred acres and you have, you know, a typical number of, you know, deer that would be on average in there, how many coyotes do you, from your perspective, do you have to take off of that property to really start to have an impact on what those animals are doing, what those coyotes are doing to the deer herd. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> particularly when you're talking about that small of a piece of property. So 
the coyotes, you know, their range is pretty big. So if you're on a hundred acres. And it might be, maybe there's a better 500 acres might be a little better example. You know? Yeah. So I think the thing on that is, look, let, I mean, let's, let's say one to 200 acres and the coyotes are going to pass through there. They might even be where they may only come in, you know, every seven to 10 or 14 days, but whether they actually might be on that particular piece of property. So I think on that scenario, if, if, if this is strictly a control basis, you're probably actually going to leave traps the entire season. Some states you can trap them year round. It just depends on what the laws are in your state. Um, so um, to have an impact on coyote numbers in relation to um, deer predation that they do on deer, they actually say that probably the late winter and spring trapping is probably more important um, in terms of um, getting those numbers under control because that actually is the time they're having their fawns, deer yeah, having yeah, their fawns, yeah. and you can get and the coyotes are having their pups, so you can get a better handle. On, and we're talking just strictly eliminating numbers. We're not we're not talking fur trapping at this point because they're way past their quality sure. of fur. So that's probably uh, maybe a little better answer to that. Um, and that would be coyotes that are uh, actually taking advantage of the deer at that time. So some some coyotes are not necessarily um, predators on deer per se. They're more interested in in small games or small game or or even fruit or whatever. The diet changes through the year. So um, to get to that point where they're actually causing issues with deer, it's better to go after them. Uh, late winter and spring uh, and even late spring. So, yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, and, and listen, I know there's different perspectives on that, but I appreciate it. I've got a part of my question is a little bit selfish. I, I've got a piece of property here in North Georgia. It's a suburban piece of property, about 40 acres. And I hunted it early and I just have been traveling so much. I haven't had a chance to get back, but I have three, three dogs that are on this property now and they are every day going right by the blind and where the deer are. And there's a black one, there's a traditional, you know, colored one. And then one literally, if you've been on spy point, you probably, the, the Instagram, it's half black and half white. Yeah. <laughs> it's whole bottom half is white and the whole top half is black. Never seen a coyote like that. And I just, I, I got to get out there because they have totally disrupted the deer movement in that piece of property. And it, to me, I mean, I just, I don't, I was surprised at three, three mature coyotes, like just right there every single day. That's what all I get pictures of anymore is just those, those dogs. Right. And if you're in a suburban area, a lot of times they are, you know, just kind of like the deer, they're just hanging out really. They're not yeah. running the giant areas, you know? So yeah, that would have, you know, and that sounds like those three coyotes could probably re be removed, uh, I'm fairly easy. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, so yeah, that would yeah, that would be an immediate result of your efforts. You know, helping your deer hunting out too. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay. No, I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, and and one of the questions is any bright spots in the slow fur market? I mean, it sounds as though things are picking up, but you know, when it's you know that slower time, are there any you know bright spots or any things for those that are you know doing what you're trying to do to to stay relevant and to just continue to grow their business. Um, I mean, in terms of, I guess in the actual fur market right now, the bright the the bright spots are in are beaver, and the byproduct of beaver is beaver castor. It's the glands in beaver, and and that is actually quite high. It's like eighty five to one hundred dollars a pound, which is um, 
uh, if you get good castor off of a beaver, that can be 30 bucks, 40 bucks. So, uh, and that part alone. So, and that, the driving force behind that is it gets used in a number of different products, but the driving force behind the castor market is generally uh, the perfume trade. So they actually use that in perfume. I was so, going to ask you what they use that for. Okay. Yeah, we, we use quite a bit in our lure making that we uh, make our attractants. So yep. um, it, it's one of the very best attractants. Deer, check it out. Everything, everything that I know of in the wild will check out beaver caster. So in, in, a, in some form. So um, uh, otters are good and the muskrat market is good. So the coyote market has been affected by um, a company called Canada Goose. Basically quit using park uh, coyote trim on their parkas. And that is really, uh, they were they were the main user of coyotes. So that has really shot a hole in this whole coyote thing. So that that's kind of backed us up um, quite I th- a bit. I think it was somewhere around 200,000 skins they would buy a year. A year. So without them, there's a big hole to fill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and that was basically pressure from, you know, the, the non-consumptive user, animal rights, whatever you want to call it, pressuring that company. Um, you know, and they finally bowed down and said, okay, we're not using coyote skins anymore, but they're still using goose down, which is like, you know, that's ridiculous. So, I mean, you know, goose down coyote skins, like, well, what's the difference? So, um, in terms of animal use, sure. So (laughs) anyways, uh, as far as the bright spot, I, you know, we have pretty much found that anybody that's 35 or maybe even 40 or younger doesn't even ask about the fur market or what it, what that stuff brings or what it's worth. They're just going to go out and have a good time. Do it. Yeah. Catch some critters. A lot of people have their stuff tanned or they'll maybe have one or two pieces mounted, you know, or they give it to their buddies and sell a few, you know, sell a few skins or whatever. So um, it's, it's not, it's like I said, it's not really my age and, you know, or maybe a little bit younger than the other we have a baseline from the past, you know, we got this idea from the past of all these high dollar skins, but, um, you know, these younger guys never saw that. So I never never saw those high dollars. So for me, it's always been recreation fun. Sure. You know, and it wasn't never about trying to collect a check on some fur, you know, no one ever paid me to go fishing or deer hunting. So I wasn't expected to get paid to go trapping either. Okay. I got you. And there's, there's most States have trapper associations. Don't have like a, state trapper association sponsored fur sales we have two in indiana well we have more than that but there's at least you know there's several that you can go to sell your skins they auction them off it's kind of a social event you can talk to other trappers you know and and, uh, it's just kind of a good fun day so here again nobody's getting rich nobody but you're going to get a check or a small check at the end of the day or you know and um, Mm -hmm. hang out with hang out with like-minded trappers you know so anyway Okay. No, that's good. So um, l- let me ask you about, you know, and I've done a very little trapping myself, you know, my uh, partner who does the show, he does quite a bit of trapping. We've got a ranch down in Florida and, you know, we do, you know, a fair amount of trapping down there. Um, but what is a scenario as far as walk me through a typical beaver setup on how you approach, you know, a, a trapper. So or there's a trap or a particular, you know, animal, you know, I say that because, you know, again, this same property years ago, we used to have a bad beaver problem and it would dam up the creek and we were trying to plant corn and it was just, they were wreaking habit. Um, and so for somebody that, you know, is just getting started, how would you approach like a creek with a couple of beavers 
that are really doing a lot of damage to, you know, the water system that's impacting, you know, the crops or, you know, other things? How would you strategically approach trying to trap that beaver? So on beavers that need to be removed, you need to hit them as hard as you possibly can right off the, right out of the gate. Okay. You just go in with, with one or two traps and you catch one beaver and the other beaver sees that beaver dead in the trap or whatever it, they can, they can hole up and not come out and they can be incredibly frustrating. So the, the best, you, you know, the best thing to do is go in there and, and set several traps, get several locations set up. So I would go with the, with the counter bear or the body type traps that they actually go through to, that would kill them. And then I would go with foot traps as well. And if your state allows that there's a trap called a TS 85, it's an eight and a half inch jaw spread trap. So it's a big trap and it looks, mm -hmm. it looks intimidating, but it, um, it, it's, it's not that bad to set or anything, but that, that is a hind foot beaver trap. And the way that trap sets up, basically, if you go from the tip of your fingers at the edge of the water to where your elbow would be in the water, that's where that trap goes. So when the beaver comes up, hits the bank, he drops his butt down and he's going to walk out of the, walk out of the, the water. So when he drops down, that trap's basically right there, ready for his back foot. And you can set that up um, that way. Beavers are super territorial. So um, any, any attractant that is based on beaver caster, which we already talked about, uh, will attract beavers because they, they, any beavers coming into their, their turf, they, they don't want them there. And yep. if you look at beavers, a lot of times their tails are all chewed up. They got scars, you know, I mean, they, they are a vicious fighting animal. So, um, that, that's probably the best way to, to catch beavers is, is to use that caster. You can, they have a set anybody can YouTube, but it's called a uh, caster mound set or a mud pie set. Yep. Beavers make those themselves. And if you look, you, a lot of times you can find them, but if you make one yourself, I just thought it's the mud off the bottom of the Creek or whatever, put some caster on it. Uh, you do not want to use caster from the same colony that you're trapping. So if you happen to catch a beaver from that, that particular family group, that colony, that caster is really not going to have much effect. Got it. So you want to, you want to caster from a different colony or a beaver lure that you buy is going to be a mixture of caster. And obviously it's not going to be from that colony. So uh, that's very important. So the combination of the body traps that the, tra the animal goes through in, in, in runs, um, or they make these little canals that you can, a lot of times you can drop that trap in. And then the foot traps, um, and even if your state allows it, snares up out up uh, out of the water on the mm -hmm. bank. That's another that's another good one. Uh, I would just set the snares blind so the animal's not even thinking about any type of scenario with attractant or anything like that. Just have that snare set up and and catch them like that. So the combination of that is really your best bet to go after them. So no, that's good, and I appreciate that. And look, anybody that's listening, if you have any other approaches or you know tips, tricks, things that you guys have used, please post comment as we're going through, you know, this podcast and share some of your success and some of the things that you guys do on a regular basis when it comes to, you know, approaching a, a pesky beaver or a colony that you need to get under control. So let's shift gears into the coyote side. What are some of the trapping strategies and techniques that you guys use on, you know, that side of the trapping business? Talk about that a little better. Yeah. Um, well, like we said before, we like to stick with fundamentals, what works and what works for us is a dirt hole set. It's probably the most commonly used out there. Um, it's very effective. And um, with that, there's a bait, a lure and a urine. We use all three at our set and our trap is actually very close to the dirt hole we make. Uh, 
we're, we're guarding, we're protecting that bait. We don't want it way back off to the side. We want it close up. So when they approach it, you know, we have increased our odds of actually catching the animal. Uh-huh. But, um, on our how-to section on our YouTube page, there is a, a section where we build them from scratch and you can, you can see how we make them. It's kind of hard to explain about everything in front of us, but uh, you can check that out on the uh, how-to section. But uh, yeah, basically going back to earlier, as far as, you know, having success early and not overthinking it, it's the fundamentals of punching in that dirt hole set. And that's going to go really tie in with uh, understanding the animal, a coyote, what they're eating, how they're moving, their location. We talked about home ranges and things like that. Once you understand how they operate more, you're going to have a better idea where that dirt hole set should be located on that particular property to increase your odds. So, yeah, lo- location is really key. And we'll be out, we'll, we'll get invited to trap, say, a deer hunting lease, you know, in Tennessee or wherever. And the hunter who has never really been a trapper said, well, I saw a coyote here. Why don't you set here? And, well, and if you look at the scenario, it's kind of like a, what we would call a random location. Yeah, we know that coyotes probably occasionally go through there. Obviously, he saw one there. But to pinpoint it down with the trap, we want to go to like best case scenarios um, for the, you know, the most, for the majority of the coyotes that they're going to be traveling through. So, you know, we, we want to work on uh, geographical locations, the flow of the land long drainages, um, that kind of thing. Something that's got some distance to it in terms of travel. So, got it. Um, you know, that that's pretty key. Another set that we make uh, pretty commonly is a flat set, which is more of a kind of a territorial set. And you could, there's variations of all this stuff and you can ask 12 trappers and get 42 different answers. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, so, um, but yeah, flat sets, uh, we, we do make a fair amount of those, but uh, dirt hill is still primary. Um, you know, and there's variations of all this stuff and you can, sometimes you just kind of got to adapt to the location that you're in. Yep. So you got to, you know, you got into, we, we trap quite a bit in Arkansas, so it's super rocky down there. So you may not be able to get a dirt hole in. So you're going to kind of make this hybrid um, flat set, essentially, that's got bait buried underneath the rock or whatever. So um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it just kind of a, sometimes, you know, with experience, you can learn to adapt to an area uh, and not feel uh, um flustered by it, let's say. So, okay. No, that's helpful. So let's just shift now to some of the content, some of the things that you guys produce, you know, uh, just, I knew you mentioned the YouTube page, but what is the name of the YouTube page? Where can people, you know, grab some of this, you know, sweet content, how to's tips. Do you have, you know, your social media handles and pages? So let's do a rundown of what all that you guys content goes to. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, you, you can find links to everything we do straight off our website. So that's HoosierTrappersupply.com. Got it. Uh, we have a podcast called the Trap House Podcast. Those are posted on the homepage. They're also on YouTube, all streaming platforms. Um, the actual YouTube page itself is called Hoosier Trapper Outdoors. Okay. You can search us there. And we have over 100 videos. Oh, we're on season 10 right now. Um of our trapping trips nice. all across the country, all different states, different scenarios, some water, mostly land. Um, and like I mentioned, there is a how-to section on there to help people that are getting started. So there's a lot of learning stuff. Um, and there's a lot of entertainment kind of blended together, uh, kind of whatever you're looking for, you can find it. Um, of course we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Who's your trapper supply. So 
Those are our, our main deals there. Listen, I mean, you know, anybody that's interested in, in getting involved in trapping or if you're already a trapper and you want to follow, you know, you know, Charlie and Justin, definitely jump on board and, you know, go to their handles and, and follow the content because these guys are truly, you know, some of the best in the industry. And I love the fact that you guys are providing content. So, you know, it's just helping those. I think one of the biggest things, whether it's getting into deer hunting or it's getting into archery or hunting in general or anything in the outdoors, there's a lot of interest, but I think it's intimidating for some people and and, right. and that's with anything and that's natural. And so I, I love the fact that you guys provide a platform that can help because look, if I need to learn something about trapping, I'm going to go to YouTube and try to dig it up. But if you provide it in a content and a platform that makes it easy, then I'm just going to be that much more successful. So I commend you guys for really providing all that on an ongoing basis. So anything else that you know, really is new and exciting. I give you guys a chance to, you know, any other plugs before we wrap up that's on the horizon for you guys or things that, you know, we should be looking for, for you guys as it comes to, you know, as it relates to, you know, whether it's the trapper supply store or some of the things that you guys got going on. I got a, I got a plug I'd like to throw in here. Um, Cause you know, our whole, I mean, we do a lot of educational stuff. We work with organizations and all that. Our whole deal is trying to get more people out there doing it and uh, having a good time. But uh, to help, we do have a trapper kit available that kind of thins it down, gives you everything you need, lure bait traps, a how to DVD, you know, that sort of thing to just kind of help you get out there. And we have guys that come in the shop and literally, you know, catch their very first coyote that week. Nice. just kind of follow the steps right yeah. that's the main thing so if anyone's interested in that check out the website and you know get out in the woods that'll that'll basically narrow it down for the guy that feels overwhelmed is to just get the kit watch the dvd love simplifies it, it. it'll time. it'll walk you through it everything's there that you need so yeah beautiful yeah. love it love um, it so where where are you guys located uh, your brick and mortar store as well uh, Greenwood, Indiana, just south of Indianapolis. So okay. um, we do have a walk-in store like, and um, we do lots of business online. That, yeah, like, yeah, I would imagine. Hoosiertrappersupply.com, ship all over the country, uh, Canada. Um, so um, um, we, we ship every day. So we, we do yeah. everything we can to give the best customer service possible. So uh, okay. my daughter, uh, Justin's <laughs> wife, actually heads up the shipping. So. Okay. <laughs> so it is truly a family business. So. Um, anyways, but not too many mom and pop stores out there. <laughs> no, there's not, you know, and it's, it's un- unfortunately a, a, a dying breed that just that American, you know, industry entrepreneurial type of, you know, family business. So I love to hear that you guys keep it in the family and do that as well. So look, thank you both very much. You know, anybody that's, you know, wanting to get involved in trapping your trap already, you want to dig in a little bit deeper. I highly suggest you go check out Charlie and Justin, you know, whether it's on the YouTube page, definitely go check out, you know, the, the all-in-one kit that's going to make your life easy. And, and sincerely to the both of you, you know, I appreciate the time today and uh, the information and hope to speak with you guys again, really, really soon. Sure. We appreciate you having us. So absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. So that wraps it up. And just again, want to remind everybody to take the time, rate, review, subscribe, you know, follow Spy Point, you know, on all of the different platforms, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, the YouTube page, the website, all of that to just ensure that you're up to speed with all the latest content. So again, thank you guys very much. And again, Charlie and Justin, you guys have a happy holiday.
Same to you. Same Take to you. care. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you.